for a quick timeout podcast is brought to you by our friends at Dr. Dish Basketball. College and professional teams from around the country rely on Dr. Dish shooting machines to help improve their players' development. Whether it's in the gym or at home in your driveway, Dr. Dish will improve your basketball workouts. To find out more about how Dr. Dish can help your program, visit drdishbasketball.com. I'm Coach Tony Miller, and you're listening to a Quick Timeout Podcast. We have conversations with basketball coaches from around the country focused on specific topics designed simply to help grow the game. It's a pleasure to have longtime college basketball coach, Coach Bobby Crimmins, on the podcast today. Coach, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, you're quite welcome. We're recording this when, according to the calendar, it's the middle of the NCAA tournament. Coach, you had quite a bit of experience with March Madness. What's your favorite NCAA tournament memory? <laughs> you know, it's it's funny. While we're talking, um, I was watching um, CBS, and they had the Villanova Georgetown game on. And uh, I, I, you know, during the final four, Tony, the, the coaches have their convention. So every coach goes to every final four. And I've been to about 50 final fours. And I was uh, watching this game in Lexington, Kentucky. I always remember watching uh, this game and watching, of course, Villanova upset Georgetown. And it just, uh, being a young coach, um, it gives you, um, you know, it gives, it gives you a lot of hope that you could be part of something so special. Uh, but getting back to your question, um, uh, we beat Georgetown. Excuse me, Tony. I, they beat us. They beat us in a, in a, for the right to go to the Final Four. And uh, that game was played in Providence, Rhode Island, with Patrick Ewan. I'm watching these guys now. And I think about that moment. You know, we really had a great chance to win that game. So, uh, but if you ask me my favorite NCAA game, you know, it probably has to be the one where we got to the Final Four when we defeated Michigan State and New Orleans. And um, that was just such a great, great moment to reach the, the pinnacle, to reach the Final Four. It's tough getting there. And I know there's been some famous coaches who get there a lot, but there's been a lot of great coaches, Tony, who have never gotten there. And um, you got to be lucky, and um, we were lucky. We had a, we had a first of all, uh, we had to defeat East Tennessee State and um, LSU uh, in Knoxville, Tennessee, and uh, LSU had Shaquille O'Neal, Stanley Roberts, and um, we were way behind in that game. We came back and won, and then we went on to New Orleans where we defeated uh, Michigan State. And then Minnesota. I forgot about Minnesota because the Michigan State game was so great. So um, if you've asked me for one moment, I probably will say that Michigan State game uh, was just such a big moment uh, because we looked like we were going to lose. Do you think about it in the moment? You just said how hard it is to get there. Like, do you think about that kind of thing in the moment and like really? No. Or is it something where you look back on it as like, man, those are some great memories? Yeah, you look back on it. You don't. You know, in the moment, you don't think about those things. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe today because the game has gotten so, it's so visible. You know, every game is on TV. But back then, no. All I was thinking about was in the moment. Now, our audience age kind of skews a little bit younger on the show. So most are going to remember you as that coach of the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. 
but before you coached it there in the ACC, you actually played in the ACC. Can you tell people where you played and who you played for? Um, I played for the great Frank McGuire. Coach, Coach McGuire was a New York Irishman, coached at St. John's, then went to North Carolina, then went to the Philadelphia um, Sixers for one year. And he did not like the, the professional life. And the job opened up in Columbia, South Carolina, and he took it. And Tony, basically what he did, he, he, he had a blueprint of what he did in Chapel Hill. Um, and he brought that blueprint to Columbia. And by that, I mean, he went back to his New York roots and got a bunch of New York players. And I was one of those New York players. My family's from Ireland. I was Irish Catholic. And um, that's, that, you know, that's Coach Aguirre's, um that's his M.O., uh, New York in New York City, New York area, uh, basketball players. And he's brought so many. He brought so many to Chapel Hill. You know, you, I could give you names that are famous names. And then he did the same thing in Columbia, South Carolina. And it worked in both places. Was it a culture shock for you a little bit going from the Bronx to down here to Columbia, South Carolina? I, would, I wouldn't call it a culture shock. I would call it a culture awakening. <laughs> I was just so happy at everything. You know, the Bronx is a little rough. And um, coming south, the, the, the people were so friendly. The hospitality was incredible. The food, the fried chicken, <laughs> uh, the you know, macaroni and cheese and, and so many other things. And, um, and the University of South Carolina is a great, great college, great college town, beautiful weather. Beautiful girls, <laughs> just incredible, friendly people. And I felt like um, I was going to paradise. <laughs> so you play there with, with Coach McGuire and eventually, obviously, you do become a coach yourself. But how much of your own coaching philosophy was, was influenced by Coach McGuire? Oh, a huge part of it. You know, my first goal was not to be a coach. I wanted to play in the NBA. Mm -hmm. And um, I played on some great teams. I played with a great player by the name of John Roach. And we were going to make a run at the national championship. And unfortunately, John got hurt in the semifinals of the ACC tournament against Wake Forest. Hmm. I'm actually writing a book, Tony, about my life in basketball. Okay, good deal. And um, yeah, I started it about six months ago. I'm a little slow. <laughs> um, I hope to maybe get it published one day. But um, right now, I'm actually a sophomore at the University of South Carolina. And, um, you know, playing, playing there, playing with great players. When I was a sophomore, I played with four great seniors. When I was a junior, I played with four great freshmen. And then when I was a senior, I played with um, three All-Americans, two or three All-Americans, John Roach, Tommy Owens, Tommy Riker. So although, you know, that, you know, we didn't win at all because of John's injury, um, my playing experience at, in Columbia was in, absolutely, totally incredible. I started for three years. I was a two-year captain, and I wanted to continue to play. But I came up short, and uh, I really feel that I found my true destiny. Um, thank God I, I went right into coaching. I first got a job at, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania as a graduate assistant, assistant coach at Point Park College, and then Frank McGuire brought me back to Columbia as a graduate assistant. And again, Frank McGuire provided the opportunity 
He opened up another door. He had first opened up the playing door for me by giving me a scholarship to Columbia. And now he was going to open up the coaching door by bringing me back as a graduate assistant coach. And then go from there. You get your first D1 job, and you were actually one of the one of the youngest coaches there at the Division One level. And you go to a program in App State. They literally won three games the year before you got there. And within just a few years, you guys had won the Southern Conference and were in the NCAA tournament. How did you change things around so quickly there at App State? Well, I got the job because the tennis coach at the University of South Carolina, a, a man by the name of Ron, Ron Smore, was the – he was a tennis coach, and he went to Appalachian. And the, the athletic director at, at Appalachian, Jim Jones, was Ronnie's tennis coach hmm. when Ronnie played there. So that was a big connection. So I went up there for an interview. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know anything about Boone, North Carolina. All I knew was it was in the South. I had fallen in love with the South. It was Division One, But I didn't know it was the North, pa- North Pole of the South. <laughs> um, but... Beautiful, beautiful country. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. In the spring and summer and the fall, you know, the mountains of North Carolina are incredible. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I went back to New York, Tony, and I, I got a few New Yorkers. And those kids, um, they didn't know what they were getting into, and but they could play. Uh, one kid named Darrell Robinson became probably the best player ever to play at Appalachian State. And um, and we started to build a, a winning tradition. Uh, we just these were tough New York kids, and then we we just started to add in the pieces. We got a kid from the South, a kid by the name of Tony Searcy, a great rebounder, and it all came together, Tony. And um, and we won a championship, and we got an NCAA bid. That was the late '70s, and then in '81, Georgia Tech calls you to be their head coach, and you accept that position. Kind of went through the same process there at Georgia Tech. I mean, they had four wins, if I'm not mistaken, the year before you got there, and then within obviously everyone knows your your ability there at, at Georgia Tech to win the ACC. You already talked about the Final Fours. I'll go ahead and mention this now. This fast forwards even past that, but after you retired, came back College of Charleston. Lord, you had a retirement. You led a, a program to four 20 win seasons. Coach, I'm seeing a trend here. Of, of success. So, you know, kind of when you went to each of those places, did you have in mind what you wanted to accomplish? I mean, were there, was it a mental checklist or was it just a belief in your overall philosophy or what was it? It was not a checklist. It was sort of like um, learning on the job. Um, what I had going for me was I had great enthusiasm. I had a great work ethic and um, I loved, absolutely loved the game of basketball. And since I couldn't play it, um, I could coach it. And so my passion switched over from a player to a coach. And I just absolutely fell in love with coaching. And uh, I really had no blueprint. I just went out there and, and I worked very hard. I, I had great enthusiasm. I love recruiting. I love bringing in kids uh, and then coaching them. And um, so there was no exact blueprint. It was just um, you know, the makeup of my, my personality really, really helped me. And my love for the game really, really helped me. Right now, Huddle is offering real COVID-19 relief for entire athletic departments with the Return to Play program. 
The program includes subscriptions for every program, as well as a free upgrade to have Huddle Assist and Huddle Focus, the smart camera that automatically records and uploads your games, and the ability for parents and fans to watch your live streams for free, all at your current subscription price. For basketball coaches, that means you get the smart camera for your gym, which automatically records your home games, with the flexibility to record any practices or drills you want with the push of a button. You also get Huddle Assist. That means full game breakdowns, including full team and player stats in less than 24 hours, so your stats are ready when you need them. Leverage interactive reports and advanced stats like shot charts or lineup data to coach smarter. Want to see how Huddle can help you dominate this season? Visit Huddle.com. That's huddle.com to learn more. You had success over multiple decades. Is there anything that changed along the way? Did you do things differently at all in those different stops? Well, you know, not really. I mean, uh, I used to only play like five or six, seven players like Frank McGuire did. And I've learned that you got you to have more depth because of injuries. And I got burned with that. So I started to recruit a couple more players. Um, believe it or not, Tony, I would play five players, um, you know, only play, only play five players a lot of times. Wow. Yeah. And you can't get away with that uh, because of the injuries. Um, I, uh, I, I lacked some foresight when the one and done came in, uh, when kids were leaving to turn professionally. Um, I, I didn't understand that whole game right away and, uh, lost a couple of kids to the NBA that, that I, I didn't. I didn't expect to lose, but I think a lot of us, a lot of coaches have been through that, especially the, the coaches who were around when it first started. But the basic things, I don't think I ever left. You know, my players were, were my family. I felt like a surrogate parent to them. Um, I loved them. Uh, that doesn't mean that I got along with all of them. Um, but uh, I had a family. I always kept a family atmosphere. And... Um, you know, my players, uh, I, I had a, most of them, not everybody, you know, I, I had some failures with some players, but, um, you know, the majority of my players, they, you know, they, they were like my, my stepchildren. And that's, that's the relationship I had. And, uh, but, you know, kids would get upset about playing time and parents would get involved and screw things up. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I kept to my Basic philosophy was, um, you know, again, enthusiasm, hard work, love for the game, passion for the game. I used to study the game a lot. I learned a lot from other coaches and the family atmosphere. Um, those were the, the key ingredients, I think, for me. You've talked a little bit about the kinds of kids that you've recruited, and obviously toughness was a characteristic that you looked for. But what, what was it that you found in those kids, or what was it that you were looking for in those kids? Because you've had so, you had some players that were – very well known and, and known for more than just toughness. Yeah, I think I looked, you know, for some of the ingredients I had in kids, you know, the love for the game. I think that was a, a big thing. I used to always love to hear about these kids who would um, practice so hard during the off season, get up early, get to the gym, shoot early, um, stay in the gym, you know, be the first to arrive and the last to leave. I love kids like that. Love them. And because uh, I was like that and uh, the passion. So I looked for kids with passion. Um, obviously, you know, I, I looked for, you know, good players. I was not a great shooter in college. So I looked for kids who could put the ball in the basket like a Mark Price. Academically, I, I was not a, 
I was not, I did not have a great academic attitude at South Carolina. And so I wanted to make sure that the players I recruited had a better academic attitude than I did. You know, and I, I try to get kids who would fit in, fit in. You talked about the desire to continue to improve and evolve and the, the coaches that you learned from. So what was it maybe that evolved over the course of those years that you were at those different programs as far as either X's and O's goes or just the way that you did things? Yeah, no, I worked hard on X's and O's. Um, I went to clinics. I went to a lot of clinics during the offseason. I listened to so many great coaches like John Wooden. Uh, Bobby Knight, Ubi Brown, and I used to love to go to clinics. I used to love to uh, meet with other coaches, get ideas. I used to love to read. I read every one of Bobby Knight's books, Dean Smith. I read every one of his books, John Wooden. Um, if there was a book out there about X's and O's, I'd read it. But but in saying that, in saying that, Coach Hawaii told me once, you got to be yourself. Mm-hmm. And I tried not to, um, you know. I tried not to just completely uh, copy somebody. You have to be yourself. And if if I saw something whether at a clinic or I read it in a book, if it didn't fit, I didn't use it. For instance, what I'm trying to tell you is if I went to a clinic for the triangle offense or the Princeton offense, um, I couldn't use that. It was over my head. I didn't I didn't know how to teach it. I didn't understand it. So obviously I would not even attempt to teach it. But then there'd be other things where I'd be at a clinic and I see a coach using this type of offensive defense. And I say, wow, I like that. And I, I understood it and I would implement it um, in my, um, in my system. Don't feel like you have to get you know, too detailed in X's and O's cause it can kind of be hard to do sometimes in audio form, but what did a typical coach Bobby Crimmins practice look like as far as length drills, competitions, yeah, well, you know, I, I'd always like, you know, we'd like to, I'd like to have good warm-ups and, and the warm-ups go, then, you know, would include fundamentals. And then I learned, you know, um, when you do shooting drills, you know, they should, they should be, they should be shooting drills that you're going to, that you use as part of your offense. If kids are shooting from certain spots and those spots are not where your offense evolves from, it's, it's not good. But we did a lot of shooting, a lot of shooting drills, a lot of ball handling, a lot of passing. Really worked on the fundamentals. And then, you know, right after the fundamentals, um, then we would go into defense. I like to teach defense first uh, because I felt really strong about offense. I I loved offense, loved it. But I I wanted to make sure um, we got the defense in there as a priority. Uh, As a player, my forte was defense. and. so I, you know, playing for the Gamecocks, I used to always guard the best player on the other team. So um, I, I enjoyed defense, and then I, I loved the challenge of offense. So you know, after the fundamentals would be defense. We get a lot of transition defense drills, and then once we went to the to the offense, I started with the fast break. Uh, my idol growing up was Bob Cousy, and I loved fast break basketball. But I like I liked for it to be somewhat controlled. There's not you know run and shoot, and um, and so we would push the ball, and if we had something good, we would take it. If not, we'd go into our secondary and then our primary offense. Our program at Bob Jones University actually had the privilege of hosting a clinic that Coach spoke at, and he's he's a great teacher of the game. And 
I was actually able to find some clinic notes from one of his previous clinics, and I'll try to have those in the description. That way people can can look at those. As we kind of wind down here, Coach, uh, I ask this of all of our veteran coaches because their response often provides a little bit of wisdom for the younger coaches that are listening. But if you could go back and, and give young Bobby Crimmins some career advice, what would it be? Oh, without a doubt, I would start out with balance. You got to be balanced. Um, I was too obsessed with the game. I, you know, there were times I was an absentee uh, father, an absentee husband. Um, but I'm glad to say I've been married, you know, 46 years. And my son is my best friend. Uh, but I would tell coaches, um, you know, back then we didn't have dead periods. We didn't have quiet periods. Uh, I was recruiting all the time. Uh, but I would tell young coaches today, number one, try and be balanced. Um, you know, faith, family, the game, and, um, and, and, and really, you know, get away from it. Get away from it and keep your priorities in order. Secondly, I tell them, do it the right way. To win the wrong way is uh, to not win at all. I would tell these coaches, you know, absolutely positively, do not go in with any intentions of cheating. Um, you know, do it the right way, keep the game clean, and never, never embarrass your name. And then I would tell them, you know, after that, you know, I, I go back to my passion for the game. You got to love it. You got to love it. And you got to love those kids. And, and again, just because you love them, that doesn't mean you, you might have to kick them out of the program, but you got to go in there with the intention that, you know, you love the game and you love those kids. Yeah. Great stuff. I, I don't want to put too much pressure on you, but when should we be on the lookout for that book? Well, um, you know, I, I've learned a lot. I have not yet got a publisher. Um, I wanted to write 10 chapters and, um, and then I was going to look for a publisher but um, what I'm doing right now, Tony, I'm trying to write. I have a person by the name of Barry Jacobs who knows the ACC inside out. He's, he's helping me, but I'm doing the writing, and I want to write, write, write. That's what I want to do. I write about, I write a chapter three or four times, and I give it to my wife, and she types it. And um, I, I, hope, I hope I finish it. It's dedicated to my parents, and, um, it, you know, I'm gonna, it's going to be a story. Uh, I'm not trying. It's not a motivational book. It's just a story of the my journey with the game I love, and and I want you know what I'm looking. I'm looking for people to read it and take whatever they want out of it, and hopefully um, you could you know I, I'm a, I'm a reader, and if you read something, uh, you if you really read it, you could you could get a lot out of it. And I want I'd like to see some young coaches, some young players, be able to read my book and get something out of it. Fantastic. Well, when that book gets completed, we'll have you back on the show so that you can promote it the right way. Okay. Thank you, Tony. Coach Crimmins, that was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for working with me to make this happen. You're, you're welcome. That'll do it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again at the next time out.